Marshall slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Locke looks up, taps it back, Dodonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two on a Friday, the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. It's Ryan Wallace, it's Chris Chapman, Darren Millard still recovering, but I promise you it will be soon, and Darren will be back on the program, and it will be in perfect timing because the Golden Knights are in the midst of a playoff race down the stretch and I'm telling you right now last night's game the win for the Golden Knights massive it was huge it was the biggest win of the year for the Golden Knights because of what it allows Vegas over the course of the final seven games control of their own destiny the Golden Knights are the team that will be responsible for whether or not they get themselves into the playoffs I'm going to say that one more time. The Golden Knights are the team responsible for whether or not they're going to get playoffs. By virtue of beating Calgary last night, Vegas has just one game in hand on the Los Angeles Kings and 87 points just one behind Los Angeles. You convert on that game on game in hand and then everything else is equal down the stretch, the Golden Knights are in control of their own destiny. And for a team that's battled through injuries, for a team that has largely been unlucky in that regard all season long, with seven games left in the regular season, to be in control like that, it's a boon for the Golden Knights. It's a situation that you can only really dream of. And I I get the the commentary or some of the opposition saying, well, the Golden Knights were... Stanley Cup contenders at the beginning of the season. And Chapman, I'm going to throw you under the bus there because you came at me with that idea in hour number one. I get that mind too. The Golden Knights coming into this year, it was cup or bust. But the expectations had to change. They had to shift at some point during this season when you've been without Mark Stone, without Max Pacioretty, without Riley Smith, without William Carlson all for various large chunks of time throughout the regular season. Then, without Braden McNabb and without Alec Martinez. And this now, through two games, is arguably the healthiest that you've been since game number two of the regular season. Right? So, we're talking about game two to game 73. That's how long the Golden Knights were dealing with really key injuries to incredibly important players. And yet, with seven games left, they're in control of their own destiny. To me, that's an accomplishment. Whether or not it's the same expectation is irrelevant. Because I think the accomplishment that is here for the Golden Knights is that a lot of other teams, you throw the injuries the Golden Knights dealt with this year at them, I don't think they're with seven games left in control of their own destiny. No, I think that's fair. 
I, 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 you know, I think we had the conversation the other day, maybe off the air, about if you take certain guys off of certain teams, are they in the same position that the Golden Knights are in? And, and I think we largely agreed, probably not. And I think that's yeah. that's a, 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 you know, just a nod to the job that Pete DeBoer and the rest of the coaching staff have done. I mean, aside from a lot of the guys you mentioned. This is a team that's also been out there number one without their number one goaltender for large chunks of sure. the season. Yeah. You know, a lot of teams, they only have one goaltender. So I, I think when you look at, at this and you look at a guy like Jake LeCision, sure, he's only got six points, but that doesn't matter, right? Like Jake LeCision isn't there to light up the scoreboard. Jake LeCision, however, has played more games than Mark Stone. Jonas Rombier has played as many games as Mark Stone. Michael Amadio was a guy who was who was on the waiver wire that the Golden Knights picked up. What was it? Uh, October, November? They were in Toronto, I believe. So this is a team that largely, I think a lot of people maybe expected to, to contend. But I think when you look at the fact that they've had to go through Ben Hutton, another waiver, waiver wire guy, right? When you look at some of the guys who played games for this team this year, Zach Hayes, Adam Brooks, Daniil Marimanoff, I don't even think anybody knew who he was in in before preseason. So, uh, yeah, they, they had expectations, and maybe I should back off my, my, my statement a little bit. But the bottom <laughs> line is, you now have seven games to go. Nobody cares about what your expectations were. Everybody cares if you make the playoffs. So that's kind of the big thing, too, right? Like, this is a team that, regardless of where the expectations were at the beginning of the year, you play right the next seven games. You do enough to get yourself into the playoffs. You've still arrived at the place you expected to be, even in the face of all this adversity. So the the end result, even though it took you a little bit longer to get here, even though it was a, a long and winding road, and even though you dealt with a lot of things you hadn't really dealt with before in a regular season, if the Golden Knights make the playoffs, your end result is exactly what you expected it to be at the beginning of the year, game number one against Seattle, when you didn't even think about the amount of time you'd be without your captain. You'd be without Max Pacioretty and your number one goaltender and your two best defensemen. Like, if you get there, then all bets are off. If you get there, you can still live up to the expectation that that team had at the beginning of the year, even if it was a bit unconventional getting there because you've dealt with the adversity you faced. Yeah, and and I'll use a, a phrase that a lot of my teachers and my parents would use when I was high school Chapman and I would get in trouble all the time. They would say, well, we're going to wipe the slate clean and we can start fresh. Well, that's that's what it is. If you get to the postseason, who cares what, what what happened over the course of 82 games. The reality is, if you win these next seven games, you are at the destination. You you Nobody cares about the journey to get there. All that matters is that you arrived. And to me, I'm, I, I'm yeah, sure, you'd rather have an easier matchup in the first round, but that, that, that doesn't matter because at some point, if you're going to win the Stanley Cup, you're going to have to beat the best teams anyway, whether you're the one seed or you're the third seed in your division. So... Just getting to the destination, I think, is what's important. And and look, yeah, Chapman got in trouble in school when he was when he was younger, and his teachers uh-huh. would say to him, "We'll wipe the slate clean and we can start over." That's what it is. It's the second season. It's it's once you get there, all bets are off. So you brought something up that I think is interesting: uh, the easier matchup. Let's 
let's get into that for a second because right now the Golden Knights, I think the path for this team, and I've been saying it for a while, is Los Angeles, is is finding themselves in that third spot in the Pacific Division, which would, in theory, be a first-round matchup for the Golden Knights against the Edmonton Oilers, an Edmonton Oilers team that their last two postseasons, they have lost to Winnipeg, a team that will not make the playoffs this year, and they lost to Chicago, one of the worst playoff teams in the history of playoff teams to ever play playoff games in the NHL. Okay? I like those odds. I like those chances a heck of a lot more than I do Vegas versus Nashville or Dallas in the first round. Like, I don't think there's a large uh, incentive for winning the Pacific Division this year. I really don't. Like, you look at some of the other spots, you look at some of the other uh, situations that are going on around there, like the Florida Panthers. I, I think there's a benefit to being first overall in the Atlantic division because you allow Toronto and Tampa to just beat the crap out of each other. You're probably good. Granted, you've got the Washington Capitals, but still, I think that there's benefit there. I don't look at winning the Pacific division right now as the major benefit that others might think it would be because for the Golden Knights, going up against a team in Dallas that you know has been able to beat you in the playoffs before and Nashville, a a really nasty, on-the-edge, on-the-line team, I would rather take my chances with the Edmonton Oilers. I get that they've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I understand how dynamic they are offensively. I'll take my chances with a Golden Knights team that has been able to shut them down time after time in the regular season. Yeah, I, I and I think in an ideal world, Edmonton loses out or loses a bunch of games and somehow the Kings win more and you end up somehow playing the Kings in the playoffs. I think that would probably be the ideal matchup, but that's not going to happen. In the real world, you're likely going to be playing the Edmonton Oilers, a team you're playing tomorrow. So I, I, I'm i with you. I, I think that's a much better matchup. And I, I mean, look, and I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. I think you'd rather have that than somehow finish in the wild card and have to play Colorado or Calgary. I think given the choice, you take Edmonton over the other two. You know, I yeah, yeah, I do. And again, I, I don't look at where the Golden Knights are at right now is, is necessarily a bad thing. I, again, whether it's Los Angeles or Edmonton, I like the matchup for the Golden Knights because this is a team that's done it before. Yeah, You get into the playoffs, you trust in the Vegas Golden Knights to win, and that's understanding that maybe it's not with Robin Leonard, depending on kind of where things go down the remainder of the season and, and you know what has, what has kind of kept Robin out out of action uh, from a health perspective. Is he fully healthy? I think yes, but you know the, the fact of the matter is if, if Logan Thompson ends up winning six of the next seven games, if that's how long he's he's got the net, then it opens up a lot of questions as to what the Golden Knights would do in the playoffs with their goaltending, but you give me Vegas versus either Edmonton or Los Angeles, and I like the Golden Knights' chances in the first round much more than I do against, say, Nashville or Dallas, because I think that those two teams specifically matchup wise present some problems uh, for Vegas that that the Oilers and the Kings just don't like I don't think that the Oilers are going to change much of how they want to attack and if Vegas can shut down the Wonder Twins in in Dreisaitl and McDavid then you're you're where are you getting your scoring from you're you're just you're not so 
being in control of their own destiny, understanding that the Golden Knights have put themselves in a position where they're the ones that determine their fate here, that's huge. And then where they get in, if they get in, is going to be favorable for this team to continue to build some chemistry, continue to integrate the players that are coming back in the lineup because eight games, nine games for Mark Stone is not going to get Mark Stone to his peak. But you get four or five, six or seven games with an opponent that you truly feel you can beat, and then all of a sudden, 15, 16, 17 games in for Mark Stone, maybe he's at his peak when you're taking on a Calgary or a Nashville or a Dallas in the second round. It does appear that even though it's taken a long way, a long time to get here, and even though it's been uncertain for a while, and it still is uncertain, I think the path for the Golden Knights, the way that it's shaping up, and given the adversity that they've dealt with all season long, I think it's a good path for them, not just to get into the playoffs, but to do some damage once they get there. Yeah, and, and I'm going to approach tomorrow from the Edmonton perspective, and that being, if I'm Edmonton, I'm looking at this as a, as a, as a game where I want to beat Vegas because I do not want to see them in the playoffs. I think if Edmonton is staring across the ice at the Golden Knights and hypothetically Vegas just whips them all over the ice tomorrow, that's going to be in the back of your mind as you approach the playoffs. And, and it's looking like maybe this is the team you're going to play. Wait a minute. These guys fully healthy just came into our barn and they and they smoked us. I think it's 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 a mental game for for Edmonton as well. I think it's a game where for them it's a bit of a measuring stick as well because if they get their ass kicked tomorrow, the way Calgary did last night, I think they 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 may have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, you know what, maybe these guys are just better than us, and do we really want to play them in the playoffs? I don't think anybody wants to play Vegas in the playoffs. I think I think everybody in the West is kind of hoping. Uh, let's hope they kind of crumble a little bit down the stretch. They don't find their way in because when they get in, there's always that that that. The, the the cliche, the team you don't want to play. I think sure. Vegas is that team. I think the Golden Knights, fully healthy, are the team you don't want to play in the playoffs. Especially as an underdog. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Especially with Backs Vegas the wall. playing playing the role of underdog. It, it it's it's astounding that we're talking about this this year with what the Golden Knights have added to their team. But that would be the narrative. That would be what you lean into if you're if you're the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, hard no to one expected us. Yeah. <laughs> hard to imagine that a team with Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, and mm-hmm. Max Pacioretty, and and William Carlson, and Jonathan Marshall. So, by the way, almost to thirty gold, Jonathan Marshall. So, sure. w- yeah. could could be an underdog, right? Could have but, their backs against the wall. But I mean, there there there's still a little bit of that misfit magic, and mm-hmm. I I I know it sounds cliche, but even though he wasn't here five years ago. I kind of look at Logan Thompson as a misfit. Like he would have fit in great with that first year team, and and it's almost a, almost a bit of a rebirth of the, of the misfit with Logan Thompson. And it's hard to believe, but we go back to to one of the first things you said on the program today. Like they were supposed to be contenders, right? That's that's the narrative that everyone's got in their mind when it comes to the Golden Knights. And the context of the season is important, but once you get into the playoffs, if the Golden Knights are in there and it's not where everyone expected them to be, that context changes, even though nothing changed. And I think that's really important for the Golden Knights. When you look at an opportunity to go into 
a a playoff run with a team that on paper should be one of the better teams in the league and you can lean into being an underdog oh man look out I, I won't envy any team that ends up playing the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round and I do think that the Golden Knights if they get in can really do some damage and turn this into a remarkable story and I think they're better served for having dealt with all the adversity from injuries that they dealt with this season I I think the sky is the limit for the Golden Knights and it was set up by a massive win last night against the Calgary Flames in Calgary it's time for our official game rating brought to you by Nova Home Loans, the best combination of service rates and fees. You see what I do that time with the pepper? You see what I do with the pepper? The people, the people, they want the pepper, all right? They want the pepper. All right, Chapman, go for it. Is, is there anything other I can give than a Carolina Reaper? <laughs> it was the, I, I, I would make the argument it's the best game they've played all season. I think Jonathan mm-hmm. Marsh said that in the post game that he felt it was the best game they've played all season. Look, there, yep. there, there was really nothing you can look at and say the Golden Knights did not do well. I understand they gave up a penalty, a, a power play goal. Who cares? They won the game six one. The mm-hmm. other, the other penalty kills that they were on, they were really good. I know. I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about what you said the other day about not wanting to waste the power play goal, and I know mm-hmm. that they scored one. But the the reality is. They were only like a second or two away from scoring a second power play goal. So the power play was really good for them last night as well. They did score one. They were very, really, really close to scoring a second. Pete DeBoer was able to roll all four. I thought the the, the Carlson line was phenomenal. Matthias Yanmark looked really good last night. I think Jack Eichel, his his one-timer, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it. it was such a pretty goal. I mean, the pass, the setup, the shot, everything. You, you, you chased Jacob Markstrom. I mean, if there's anything higher than a Carolina Reaper, that's what it is. But for for what we do, it's a Carolina Reaper. Yeah, it's Carolina Reaper for me as well. I power play, I, like I don't know that it was good. It was better, and it converted. And you like that? I still think that there's some ironing out for the power play. But I'm not going to get picky here in this situation. I, I think you you come through with a power play goal. You almost score two power play goals. You put six goals up on the board. Uh, there's there's no real other direction to go other than a, a, a Carolina Reaper. Now, it was the most complete game the Golden Knights have played all season long. I say that fully recognizing that they were outshot, but they were not outchanced. And that's the most important thing. We often are conditioned with the Golden Knights because of the way that they play in the offensive zone that it, if they're out shooting a team by a wide margin, then the Golden Knights are carrying the rate of play. You can look at the game last night against the Calgary Flames as an efficient use of the Golden Knights' offensive chances. They were great. They were dynamic. They converted. They were opening up Jacob Markstrom and putting pucks behind him. It wasn't so much hoping that a play would materialize or or a puck would go in. They were sure-fire goals that were not going to be stopped. And when this team is really operating on all cylinders, those are the types of plays that they can make. They can do it in transition. They could do it inside the zone. And you look no further than that goal for Jack Eichel. It was an absolute rocket. It exploded off of his stick. And it's predicated by speed away from the puck from Matthias Yanmark, the give and go with Jonathan Marcheseau. And then Jack Eichel getting lost in coverage. No one knowing where Jack Eichel is on the ice. And he's in his spot and he rips one home. 
That goal, to me, is the key to unlocking the power play for the Golden Knights. And I get it wasn't a power play goal. I recognize that. I do. But if you can get Jack Eichel's one-timer accurately off his stick like that on the power play, look out. It's going to unlock everything else you're trying to do with the man advantage. Yeah, and and it, it was it really was was I mean and I know you said that you didn't think the power play was good. I think better is good. Yes. Uh because look, the reality is you were 0 for what 18 coming into last night. So get getting it going I think is important. Look, you're, you the the reality is you're going to need to get it going down the stretch. You're going to need to have it working for you in the playoffs because I it's really hard to win without it working in the playoffs. But having Stone and Pacioretty back and, and you have a couple games to kind of iron out the kinks and get things situated the way you want, I think there's a comfort level that, that will go into it. But, I mean, for me, better is good. <laughs> and <laughs> I look, I just want to see it carry over. Be, be consistent, right? The biggest, the biggest mis- thing on the Golden Knights this year has been consistency and inconsistency. If they find consistency in their game and they find consistency in the power play, I think the next seven games are going to be pretty fun. That's why I asked you, is last night's game repeatable? I think it is, because the Golden Knights committed to checking. The Golden Knights committed to being an absolute force in the neutral zone, and it took away everything that the Calgary Flames were looking to do. And when the Golden Knights are at their best... That's how they play. They check. It's tight checking. You've got great back pressure. You've got plays made in the neutral zone that spring transition, and you get frustrated superstars on the opposite end of the rink. And the Golden Knights can do that to Calgary. They can do that to Edmonton. They can do that to Colorado. They can do that to any team with any superstar combination that you have that you can throw their way. They can do it to all of them. You know, and and there's something that you just said there about frustration. And I want to just highlight Keegan Colasar. Yeah. Because, look, I, I, I think it was, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think it was dirty. I think he just mistimed his check. He got there a little late and he was penalized and he deserved to be penalized for it. But the way the Calgary Flames were taken out of their game and the way that they focused so much energy on Keegan Colasar last night, you saw it multiple times. Milan Lucic losing his cool. You, you, you saw Matthew Kachuk losing his cool. It, it, it didn't take much for the Golden Knights to get under the skin of the Calgary Flames, and it, it came from, of all the guys, Keegan Colasar. And, and I think full credit to Colasar to not playing into that. I think he felt that he didn't do anything wrong. He took the penalty. And, I mean, I maybe some people think he should have dropped the gloves. Maybe some people don't. But he didn't He didn't fall into the mind games. He He was the one who was in control of the mind games last night following that play, and it completely took away something from the Calgary Flames. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, in a 1-1 game, you're, you're not going to drop the gloves there. And I think that's maturation on the part of Keegan Colasar and, you know, Milan Lucic. He's, he's been a veteran in this league for a long time. I, I feel like at some point you just kind of move beyond it, but uh, they were not able to do that. Milan Lucic, Matthew Kachuk, and the Calgary Flames. Now, Real quick, I do want to get to a couple of pieces of audio from Pete DeBoer from earlier today because, you know, I've been asking you about is last night's game repeatable. Um, Pete DeBoer was asked about duplicating last night's game. Here's his response. Well, I think we won 
seven of our last nine or something, so we've been playing some pretty good hockey. Uh, but to go into Calgary and win in that building against a real good team in a, in a building we've had a lot of trouble in, we knew we needed our best effort, and uh, you know I thought we we got that. I think uh, we got some help in the fact that you know they're not as desperate uh, as we are as far as the standings go. But uh, we did what we had to do, and we executed. So is that the cut where you were looking at mind games from Pete DeBoer? Yeah, yeah, because I I, I like that he threw in. Maybe they weren't as desperate as we were mm-hmm. last night. Because mm-hmm. I, I think what that does is maybe it plants a little bit of, of, of doubt mm-hmm. in your opponent. and Or maybe it gives them a little overconfidence. Like, hey, yeah, we weren't so desperate last night. They, they, they were the ones who were desperate. They were the ones who came in here and needed to win. We didn't really need to win last night, despite the fact that the Calgary Flames are yet to clinch a playoff spot. I mean, it's a formality, but the reality is they still have not technically clinched a playoff spot. So... I, I like that. I, I like the 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 throwing that little jab in there that, yeah, we, we were a little more desperate than they were. They didn't really need to be desperate. I like that. Yeah, I like it too for a number of reasons. But the to me, the, the biggest key out of today's press conference with Pete DeBoer uh, was when he was talking about this road trip and finishing it off right. Yeah, we all want to finish this road trip off right. You know, I, I think we were a little disappointed uh, uh, and and thankful we got a point in Vancouver. I, I think uh, uh, big two points last night, but this game defines the road trip. You know, it's either average or really good, so we want to make sure we win. It's either average or really good. If you're looking at where Pete DeBoer is in trying to get the most out of his team night in and night out, that's the quote right there because the Golden Knights have put together what you would say right now, three out of four points, a really strong start to the road trip, but it's all for nothing if you don't come away with two points tomorrow against the Edmonton Oilers and you don't control your destiny if you don't win the game. So I love the idea of Pete DeBoer with that commentary, getting his players to refocus, regroup, enjoy last night's game, but it doesn't mean nearly as much if you don't follow it up with another performance equally as good tomorrow against the Edmonton Oilers. We're back with one-timers next on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. It's our look at news and notes from around the NHL. And unfortunate news today, Mike Bossy, four-time Stanley Cup champion, Hockey Hall of Famer. Best purest goal scorer in the NHL has died at the age of 65 after being diagnosed with lung cancer in October. Unfortunately for me, like I never got to watch Mike Bossy live. It was never a thing. I, I very familiar with the legend of Mike Bossy. I watched some of those Islanders games from their Stanley Cup runs, of which Mike Bossy played a massive role for the Islanders. Um, but his, his his willingness to go to the areas, his willingness to be tough in competition, but also his shot, man. Like, it, it just the, the purest goal scorer, the purest release. Um, to me, if Mike Bossy was able to play four or five more years, 
This guy is the guy that Alex Ovechkin is chasing down, not Wayne Gretzky. I think when it comes to putting the puck in the back of the net, there wasn't anyone better in this league ever than Mike Bossy. Yeah, if you really want to see just how good Mike Bossy really was, you look at his playoff stats. Because Mm -hmm. in 80, 80, 81, 81, 82, 82, 83, Islanders win three Stanley Cups. 18 games, 19 games, 19 games. In those games... Mike Bossy, 17 goals in each of those three Stanley Cup winning seasons. The guy averaged almost a goal a game in helping his team raise the Stanley Cup three straight years. I know they won four in a row, but I mean, to me, that, that's almost unheard of. A guy, he he averaged well over a point a game. One, one season, he averaged almost two points a game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. A year the Islanders won the Stanley Cup. That was also a year he scored 68 goals in the regular season. Just incredible. It's it's a it's a really sad day in the NHL. You know, I lost my, my father to lung cancer, so I, I know it sucks. Um, you know, my, my thoughts to Mike Bossy's family. Just an incredible, yeah. incredible player. And a guy who I think, had he come around a little bit later, we would be talking about him in the same breath as, as Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, and some of the other. I mean, he's already an all-time great, but it was a long time. Sure before he got in to the Hall of Fame. It wasn't like a slam dunk that he got in right away after he retired. I I think it was about 20 years, believe it or not, before he actually got in the Hall of Fame. But um, just just an incredible, incredible player and, you know, just a really, really sad day. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Uh, 53 goals as a rookie, won the Calder as a rookie, 573 goals in just 10 seasons. A .76 goals per game, best in NHL history. Like only player with nine straight uh, 50 goal seasons, yeah, five 60 goal seasons are matched only by Wayne Gretzky, and that was just in a 10 season career. So like when you when you really boil down the numbers for Mike Bossy, it's it's astronomical what he was able to do in putting the puck in the back of the net, wildly consistent throughout his entire career. Though it was a short career, it was cut short by a back injury. I don't think there's anything that you can do to, to take away from what his impact was on the game, certainly his impact with the New York Islanders franchise in those four Stanley Cup runs. Yeah, real, real uh, quick, I, I got, go I got it wrong. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1991, so about four seasons yep. after. So, I yeah, I'm sorry yep. about that. Yeah, no worries. I, and, it, you know, as, as you mentioned, like, I don't think there's anyone in the world that isn't touched at some point by cancer. And it's 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 tough. It's it's hard to um, to recognize that. And it sucks. You're, you're, you're absolutely right there, Chris Chapman. So all of our best, all of our condolences uh, to Mike Bossy's friends and family uh, and certainly his hockey family that extends well beyond just uh, Long Island, it's it's it, everywhere. It's it's globally uh, in the impact that he had on the game. Carey Price has made his return to the lineup. Carey Price in net right now for the Montreal Canadiens as they take on the New York Islanders. Chapman, are you surprised that Carey Price is back? Yes, yeah, yeah, I am. I, I figured he was a good season. Um, it's good to see him back. Obviously, you know, a guy that I, I, I think a really a, a moment that I will never forget in my life a couple years ago at the NHL award show. Um, just one of those things that you don't really think about the guy on the ice. You think about what an amazing person he is off the ice. And it's great for the league that he's back. And I'm sure the Montreal Canadiens are happy he's back in a season that they would otherwise rather forget. 
But, yeah, no score in that one, so Carey Price pitching a shutout. <laughs> pitching a shutout in his first game back in, in since – last year's playoff run like just kind of let that sink in for a minute um 12 shots against so that's an 12, islanders type 12. stat <laughs> yeah well it's that's that's very true uh but carrie price seeing the puck well obviously in his return i, I think it's great um for for carrie price now i think the big question becomes with with carrie price in, in terms of this offseason what's the plan moving forward with the Canadians? like it's a hefty cap hit for Carey Price. That's just known. It is a very large sum of money left on the docket for Carey Price and his contract. And then you've got term as well. It's five more years at $10.5 million per. And you're looking at a goalie that is already 34 years old. So the question that I have when it comes to Carey Price is... What's the plan moving forward in Montreal? And is Carey Price, at that stage of his career, interested in what this retooling or re rebuild is going to do and how long it's going to take? Or are you looking at, can there, is there an avenue to getting me to a, to a team that I can win a Stanley Cup with? Well, the answer to both of those things is probably no. If I'm Carey Price, I want absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with the rebuild that are that is taking place in Montreal right now. Yeah. Signed an eight-year, $84 million contract in July of 2017. He's due $10.5 million for the next four seasons following this one. Uh, so it seems like a pretty hefty number. I can't imagine there's, a, first of all, finding a team with that kind of cap space that's in contention is going to be extremely difficult. And furthermore, finding a team that's going through a rebuild with that type of cap space, I, you know, the it, it sounds crazy. And I always like to throw this team out because they're not very good and they have a ton of money to spend. If there's a team that actually could pull it off that's kind of going through a rebuild, but maybe one or two pieces away from actually being at least in playoff contention, uh -huh. that's the New Jersey Devils. They could use a goalie. I just don't know if at that price, yep. no pun intended, you want Carey Price. Because if, if you're committing to that for four seasons, that's going to take away your ability to maybe go out and sign a big-time free agent in the summer. Because, yeah, you got P.K. Subban coming off the books, but if you replace him with a guy who has basically a similar salary, that really limits on what you can do. Okay, here's my thought process on it, and this is not anything that I think is legitimately going to happen, but something that I would like to see happen. Right now, the Detroit Red Wings have four goaltenders on their cap for $8.2 million total. Thomas Grice, Alex Nedeljkovic, Calvin Pickard, and Magnus Helberg. Now, Pickard's up on an emergency loan, but my point is this. What if... Steve Eiserman goes out and gets Carey Price. What if Carey Price is the difference between the Detroit Red Wings, who are looking better and better up front, who are solidifying their defense based on a breakout season from Moritz Sider? What if they go out and they get a goaltender, and you tr 
try to bank on or at least take advantage of a three-year window where you've got some guys on entry-level contracts and you try to go and make the playoffs. You know, that's a really interesting take because they have a, they, they will have the money to where they could absorb that salary. They're going to have over $10 million in cap space. Actually, I believe about $11 million in cap space next season. Um, mm-hmm. they, they do have a couple guys coming off the books, nobody really notable. Um, one of those goalies, Thomas Grice, is a free agent, so you don't have yep. to worry about that. So now you have about $14 million that you have. The Delkovich is young enough to where you can kind of keep him in that backup role. Yep. Pickard and, and Helberg, they're both UFA, so you don't really have to worry about that. That's yep. a really interesting uh, spot, and it's a team that I think is on the up. I, I, I like what Steve Eiserman's doing in Detroit. Man, the, I, I love those young kids, too, and you know he's got more coming. Yeah, he does. I, I, I think if Carey Price is going anywhere, I, I I like your idea on New Jersey. I think Detroit makes sense, but, you know, again, that's that's a situation where are you going to leave and go to a team that you're, you're banking on individual players getting better and that's how you get into the playoffs? I'm not really sure, but... It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out when it comes to Carey Price and whether or not he is still a Montreal Canadian by the time opening night comes around next season. Those are your one-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee for Friday, April 15th. We wrap it up next with catching up with Chapman on the VGK Insider Show. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right. Well, uh, maybe taking the easy way out today, but just want to wish everyone a happy and safe Easter, Passover, and I guess it's also Ramadan going on right now. So if you celebrate uh, any of those things, I'm thinking of you and your family and hoping that you guys all have a uh, wonderful weekend because obviously it's a very... Important weekend for, for people who do celebrate those things. So, uh, you know, everyone who, who does, I just hope you guys have a have a great and healthy and safe uh, weekend. What uh what do you what are your plans for the weekend, buddy? Uh well, watch game tomorrow and and uh, big 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 game for Liverpool against Man City in the uh, semifinals of the FA Cup tomorrow. So I'll be watching that as well as the Golden Knights and. Uh, Probably just relaxing. My son is with his mom spring break, so he's he's in Texas for a couple more days. They went to Galveston. Oh, nice. I, I've never been there, but I, I hear it's pretty cool. So uh, I can't wait to hear him tell me all the stories about what he did at Galveston, Texas. But, uh, yeah, I won't be doing a whole lot. And then next week he goes back to school. So my, my world goes crazy starting on Monday again. Well, you know where I'll be tomorrow. I'm going to be out at Parkway Tavern, Flamingo 250. As we get ready for Vegas and Edmonton, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be a fun game for the Golden Knights. I think it's going to be fun for Golden Knights fans, and I I feel in some kind of way about another statement for Vegas. So come by, say hello, hang out with me as we watch the Golden Knights take on the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.